everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of the East Tennessee and Pop Culture Podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Michael. And um, I guess we go ahead. I should we should go ahead and mention this is going to be our last episode this semester. So uh, yeah, was, uh, we're going to try to close it out as big as possible. So for this episode, we're going to talk about we're going to get a little ac- academic and talk about what's known as uses and gratification. What that is is a, a study of uh, its research that looks into the audience of media. And what motivates us to seek out the kind of content we watch and what kind of video games we like to play. And it's really kind of takes the reverse because most communication studies uh, and media looks at the way it affects us. But this looks, this looks at why do we look at and read and watch and play the things that we do. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit this uh, for this episode and to start us off. Which would, I guess, we really should be looking at is a kind of a self reflection of us as media consumers into, you know, again, why do we watch or play or read the things that we do? Because that's uh, something just important is what affects us and what of, um, you know, it really kind of contributes into what goes into pop culture. Because if it's just, if it's something we're looking for, then it's hopefully we can find it and. Uh, gratify our needs and uses for the the various needs and uses we have for uh, media. So um I guess we could keep kind of subjective here um for each of us uh to start out what what do you guys really look at uh whenever you seek out content what do you what do you use it for or what do you try to get out of it? Right. So for me personally, um, you know, and this is one thing that I think is a general consensus among people, they look at something that, you know, first of all, piques their interest, um, and that's just a personal choice, whether it's something that you want to have a very serious thought-provoking watch or just something to alleviate um, some stress, uh, maybe get a few laughs in. And, you know, along with this theory is also uh, how it reflects on your own, you know, personal choices and your you know likes and dislikes and uh, just your personality so for me I just look at something that I can kind of uh, you know just kind of watch uh, it again it depends upon the mood I'm in too so say I'm getting back from a really tough class or you know had a long day uh, something that I can just kind of like watch passively and not have to think about a whole lot and maybe something that can give me some laughs and kind of just make me feel a little bit more lighthearted in light of, you know, a very rough day. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. Um, I really get into uh, YouTube and Netflix uh, as far as trying to find something that's entertaining and also in some occasions to pass the time. I know sometimes during the weekend when I don't have class, uh, there's, a, there's a couple hours where there's nothing, le- nothing to do. So, um, there's there's also uses for that to give yourself give yourself something to do for a couple of hours. Um, also, too, it's it's kind of fun to look at uh, social media and uh, how we use that to kind of socialize. But 
of course it's it's probably good it's keep it it's good to keep it old school to beat people face to face and so on and so forth but uh we you know really really use that to um to expand our social circles and to kind of put ourselves out there, I guess to say. Sure. So um, I think in order to continue to explain what the uses and gratification theory is in order to um, kind of make this discussion make sense, uh, uh, it's kind of um, uh, is it, it puts all media under four categories, basically of what you're trying to get out of it whenever you watch it. Um, the first category being surveillance. Um, this is when you, uh, um, you know, are watching news outlets, reading news articles, things like that, nonfiction stuff in order so that you can understand, um, better what's happening in the world. Um, you're, you're using that media to survey what's happening outside of your immediate, uh, um, circle of people and, and things happening. Um, the uh the second uh, uh blanket is the personal identity um this is uh where you um find you you find some kind of like a connection with the characters um and um you 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 use that to identify with them and that's what drives you to watch the media so if you like friends you probably find some personal identity with them um then there that that's a big reason for a lot of the TV shows that we watch is because we we get attached to the characters and so we continue to watch them. Um, the third is personal relationships, and I think that goes into what uh, Kalen was talking talking about with the social media that um, we want to cons- consume media that that makes us feel like we are um, in a metaphorical <laughs> relationship with uh, with the people, um, on the other side of the screen. Um, and again, that can also go into some of the TV shows that we watch, the movies that we watch sometimes, um, that we want to be able to identify with the relationship that those people are having as well as the, um, the actual people involved. And finally, the last blanket is diversion, um, which is, um, any media that you use to escape from your real life, which is most media, um, you use that to get away from your, your classes, your work, your daily life. And just, uh, for a second, you are somewhere else. You are a different person and you no longer have the responsibilities that you have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, all of those things, um, um, it, any media that you consume should be able to fall underneath one of those four categories. Um, even if, you know, um, like you just like to watch a TV show to laugh and, and unwind. A lot of the times that's a, a sense of diversion so that you're not no longer thinking about what you have to do tomorrow, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's really cool to have, um, to, it's good to be mindful of what, not only what we're watching, but while we're watching it to, um, really get at the point of the media that's out there to, yeah. um, you know, not just let it go by and to, uh, especially for those of us that are going to go into businesses and go into the industry where we're going to create content, it's definitely worth uh, looking at these kinds of research and studies to see yeah. what people are wanting to get out of it and what they're looking at. Um, that way, you know, we can know what kind of stuff we should put into our stories, into our 
uh, or content to, you know, basically, as I say, give the people what they want. Yeah. As content creators, you can even use this theory in order to say, I want to create a story that's going to fulfill one of these criteria. And so you're specifically like tailoring to an audience that likes to watch things that give them a personal relationship or a personal identity or, you know, a, a feeling of diversion, um, things like that. Um, and every single one of the, these blankets is just as important as the other. And we all kind of, uh, find each one of these, um, different kinds of things, um, from a different place. Um, and, and we, we need each of these generally speaking. Um, as far as me personally goes, I don't usually, uh, experience like, like to consume media that that gives me a sense of like surveillance because like it just um is something that doesn't do much for me it usually stresses me out like <laughs> i don't really like to know what like uh, unless it's something that's super important um i don't i don't typically s seek out things that are telling me what's happening in the world because a lot of the times it's pretty negative um yeah actually i think is it that like that's like there's a saying in journalism if it bleeds it leads exactly yeah. yeah so they on some level they kind of do seek out the information that you know a lot of the controversial stuff a lot of bad stuff that's going on and, and of course like it's good to be aware of what's going on in the yeah. world but if the journalists and the media news media if that's the kind of motto they're going under then it kind of mm -hmm. sends the this idea that well if you turn on the news then all you're going to see is the bad stuff that's going on of course they, they report on some good stuff but yeah, I, I can re totally relate to that. That's specifically why I don't watch the news as much. Right, yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about this market, it is very niche, you know, like each three of these blankets. Um, the creators are, uh, you know, they have a certain market in mind of people who, you know, who are going to want to listen to this stuff. I mean, that's why they do it, so that, you know, these people keep listening to it. And um, I just think that's really interesting because that also leads into, you know, not just the reason of why the people who are the creators are putting this content out, but why each individual is, you know, paying attention to this certain type of content, whether it be news or whether it be something on YouTube. Um, because, you know, you do realize that in a lot of stuff in the media it's usually stuff that's controversial or might even make people a little anxious that grabs the attention and just you know on this very basis it is it's because it grabs your attention it makes you think yeah. it makes you question you know you see a headline of something very you know something not abnormal you know the reason for it just being the fact of it being abnormal is what yeah. makes you like a little curious about it. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely interesting to look at it from this, from this theory, because um, like you said, YouTube, you got, that's an interesting case where people are making, they got their own channels, making content, but then you got individuals like Jake Paul and um, uh, catch me outside girl. Uh, right. People that's, you know, I guess not necessarily even just controversial, but, kind of makes it's almost like they purposely 
make themselves out look to be negative in a negative light because it's getting these views, you know? Yeah, because one would wonder if you actually met these kinds of people in real life, uh, how friendly do you think they'd be? How willing would you be to approach them or interact with them? Yeah. And and if that's the case, if you wouldn't want to approach them, then why why watch their content or pay attention to them when they're in the in the news or media, whatever? Right. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You know, because I'm sure everybody's heard about the Catch Me Outside girl. She's been all Doctor Phil. She just seems like a you know horrible horrible personality. So um, yeah, she's become famous for this one thing. You know. Yeah, and um. Of course, by extension, that goes to all celebrities, like right. especially sure. actors and musicians. And uh, why do we pay attention to any of them? And and can kind of get into what's called a parasocial, uh, a parasocial phenomena, where and I think everybody know, knows about where um people kind of feel a relationship to these famous people, even though they've never met you a yeah. day in their life. <laughs> but um, yeah, you. I mean when you kind of gravitate towards someone or some sort of genre, you can kind of feel connected uh, as though you know them. I mean, I know for a fact that um, whenever you're, you're a fan of something like, uh, like I'm a big fan of Keanu Reeves in the uh, John Wick films have, uh, I've, you know, I've talked about them a number of times, but um yeah, when you, you kind of see a personality or you see, uh, I mean, I, I don't know the man personally, but uh, you kind of see get this portrayal of the characters they've, they've acted in, the roles that they usually take. Uh, you can kind of get, you know, get, become a fan of who they are. And, and, and of, but of course, it's good to be mindful of you don't actually know them personally. So, yeah. Right, and I think with um, movies like that, because there is a little bit of a difference, uh, especially with like you look at action or sci-fi movies, um, I know particularly with the John Wick series, I've not watched all of them. I think I watched uh, the second one, which again, it just centers around uh, maybe a sense of justice mm-hmm. uh, that is taken upon the a protagonist himself or herself to rectify a situation. And I think that resonates with a lot of people uh, like the little guys, so to speak, you know, and um, you know, we all, uh, we always like a good ending. So like for me personally, um, you know, take for example, the TV sitcom friends, um, me and my roommate will watch it and there's countable times where I'm just like, oh man, that's totally me. And it's like, you are literally relating to a person who does not exist, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because I think as to be an active uh, consumer, we need to understand that um, more than likely the people that we're thinking we're relating to don't even exist. It's this persona that's been created uh, for the purpose to be relatable. Yeah. Or just to make you laugh. Right, yeah. Just to just to grab your attention and, you know, make you consume the media. Um, as content creators, uh the the three of us um are kind of interested in doing that in, in different facets. Like which of these wh- uh, which of these blankets uh are you most interested in? Right. Um 
you know, it's a uh, it's interesting for me. I personally, I sometimes like to consume surveillance content uh, just to be aware of certain things. But again, like you, Michael, it almost is a little bit depressing because it feels like the majority of it is negative. Like that's what we're feeding off of. But yeah. to as something that I would put out there, I think I would want it to resonate with people. Uh, something that I guess in a way I feel is purposeful. You know, sure. So I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's something, all, you know, all of us at base level want to say, but I think a lot of times that has been lost, you know, uh, later down the line because it's um, you're having to play to a certain audience, you know, and sometimes that might be different from what you originally, you know, had in mind. Yeah. Uh, t- there's two of them. I kind of feel. That, like their purposes is what I've, I kind of seek after is like the um the first one, uh, surveillance. I do sometimes watch YouTube to not necessarily news, but uh, as far as seeking information, I'll watch documentaries. Yeah. Uh, especially because I'm really into history. Like I'll watch uh, this. There's a show called uh, Engineering an Empire that kind of looks at uh ancient ancient civilizations and their architectures and things yeah. like that. Even though I'm not a historian, it's really fascinating to me. So, um, and I, and that, you know, I n- may never use the information that I get from there, but the idea that you can uh, seek out information that can expand your your mind and keep gives you something interesting to learn, uh, that's that's fun too. And then the um the last one was uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh dis- what was it called? Diversion. <laughs> Diversion. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the the sense of escapism. I, I'll use it for that purpose too. Like, um, actually, just <laughs> a few, a couple hours ago, I was watching Friends on Netflix, and I was, and this was right after I finished studying for my tests coming up. So yeah, you know, I took a moment to kind of ease back and yeah. look look at some shenanigans of those those mm-hmm. six characters. Yeah, right. And I think you know the first one, how you talk about your personal reasoning, is very interesting because. You know, when we talk about surveillance, I think a lot of people do think of news. That's what I initially think of. But also, you're right. It doesn't have to be just what's going on in today's world. It could be just a specific area of, say, for us personally, you know, things that's going on in the media, like um, learning how to do film techniques or, you know, uh, Adobe Photoshop. You know, Um, I think you make a good point of just learning knowing how to expand your knowledge and that's something that I also like I like to you know there's sometimes you want to like just mindlessly watch something but also I like act being an active you know consumer mm-hmm. and um gaining knowledge from what I'm putting you know into my mind yeah yeah um me personally whenever I think of like like I have a, just a bunch of like random ideas about things that I want to create someday. A lot of the times they involve an intense sense of, of diversion, um, trying to like really make the, make the person experiencing the, the content feel as if they're in a different world. Um, whether or not it's ever going to come, come to fruition or not, is a different question. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe when I'm out of college, but, um, 
that that's that's kind of the the direction that I find that my art all oftentimes goes is this sense of almost ethereal diversion away from from our corporeal life. Right. And I you know, I I um I admire that because I think it does take a type of artistry to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Um <laughs> gotta say. <laughs> yeah, and Michael's still a hair so great. <laughs> Yeah, though, but I mean, it does take a type of, you know, a type of mind that you will be like, okay, well, what resonates and what, you know, allows people to escape. And I think it's almost just, I don't know, it's commendable because um, it's, you know, in today's world where everything's so fast paced, it's kind of nice to um, have an escape, you know. Yeah, um, I definitely. Uh, an, another interesting case to look at is uh, uh, video games. You know, what kind of gravitates people to certain genres of games and why yeah. do we, why does someone want to play a game even though, I mean, it may, uh, I guess, depending on, I guess, what kind of, if you're into challenging games or uh, you just kind of like blazing through, like there's, there's certain games where you can kind of just, um, like first person shooters, you can kind of shoot through enemies, and then there's stuff like Metal Gear Solid where you could be, uh, as far as like tactics, you can be more stealthy. So I guess I kind of, I wonder if in terms of video games, you could kind of speak to someone in terms of their, um, like their, their methodology or their approach. Yeah. As far as like how they may approach a real world, a real world, uh, problem can kind of reflect into, um, the way they play a video game. Yeah. I think most of the video games involve a lot of diversion. Um, uh, a few different genres you, you can make, you can make the argument for personal identity or, or relationships. But uh, um, most of the time people f- play video games because they want to experience something outside of their reality, yeah. um, which is great. Yeah, cause it's especially since it's interactive, there's that kind of living vicariously through the uh, yeah. mm-hmm. character. Through someone who's better at what they're doing than I am, probably. Um, anyway. I think uh, that about wraps up our uh, conversation on uses and gratification, but we've got something even bigger to talk about. The, uh, the most ambitious crossover... Uh, of the century or the millennia or whatever they said, uh, Avengers Infinity War uh, is coming out tonight. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, we were actually um, in our pre-production meeting. We were talking about that. Um, it's really interesting because I think in areas like Belgium and everything, uh, did we not say it came out like on the twenty third? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. they got a, uh, they're a little bit ahead of us, but yep. um, it's gonna be. Very epic. There's so many uh, good reviews you're hearing about it. Everybody's very hype about it. Um, it seems like, y- you know, and again, like with these movies, it almost is like they say this is the most epic battle or this is the most epic battle. And now this seems like it's the battle of all battles um, with the um, antagonist character Thanos. Yeah. Um, Thanos is... Uh, incredibly powerful and almost and also behind everything that's happened in in the marvel cinematic universe so far uh from what i understand um 
he like had um quote unquote deals with like Loki and uh some of the other villains uh so far the like some of the bigger villains and now it's time for him to come down and and just wreck everything. Yeah, and it's definitely been awesome the way Marvel has uh crafted the story to really put this together because each Marvel film has it it can it can be a standalone but then they've really done really well at putting the piece together to fit this whole so you really feel like this yeah this is definitely not just one film's climax but this is the film a big on a larger scale this is a climax to really show to you know, bring the story all into full circle with this like you said this character Thanos and uh kind of reveals all that's been going on so far yeah right and so um for those that are i guess a little unfamiliar with the background of the antagonist because he is going to be surrounding uh or encompassing this you know um infinity war is the whole of his whole objective within the movie is to get these infinity stones hence the you know part of the title infinity war Mm. um and you know you see this a lot of times in these superhero movies where the um bad guy um he originally has good intentions but his methodology is a little warped so thanos um with these infinity stones they hold so much power um he sees that like the population of earth is getting so huge and that you know we're pretty much going to make the whole earth collapse in on itself because we're just consuming so much you know energy and all that stuff so it's kind of like it it's kind of funny cuz it's kind of like you know the whole energy crisis but within a superhero movie mm-hmm. um but yeah so his intentions are to get all these infinity stones um to have control and um you know have have his way so to speak with um earth and you know the galaxy yeah uh i think that it's super impressive what marvel's done here it's unique um the whole uh cinematic universe just coming together in one big giant climax is really interesting um it bugs me because me being someone who didn't jump on the bandwagon of the of the marvel uh 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 cinematic universe um in order in order to really get the full picture you have to watch all of them you know Mm -hmm. um and like you said they can be standalones but they're obviously meant to be experienced as one huge mega movie think a la um you know lord of the rings right um maybe not quite that tied together but Mm -hmm. but there's definitely a lot of things that's like oh you might not really even understand what's happening in this particular scene in this movie if you haven't seen the first one or even one that's unrelated you know Mm um but um like for example uh, i think i think there's probably going to be parts of infinity war where if you haven't seen black panther it may not make as much sense like you won't know these characters um as well as you would have otherwise they've already got backstory that's been told through the other movies um which is is super cool if you're into that sort of thing uh i'm personally i'm not right and you know uh one thing to keep in mind is marvels was very uh 
you know, I think they're very methodical with all these movies. They have to be for it to, you know, be cohesive and make sense. But for Black Panther to come out, you know, because he's kind of like, I guess, the last addition into the whole Avengers uh, team. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in Black Panther, if you haven't seen it yet, it um, and without giving any spoilers, of course, um, it gives a lot in a lot of insight into the world of Wakanda, which is like the African nation that um, Black Panther is set in. And um, you're definitely going to see that in Avengers Infinity War. And uh, there is a short tie between them and um, a certain person. Again, I will not do spoilers. It's just one of those things where, you know, where uh, Marvel's always has this little last uh, tidbit of like maybe five minutes, three minutes. Um, of a scene that ties, you know, the individual movie into the whole Marvels, um, the MCU. And it's really, uh, it's very interesting how they do it. And, you know, I'm kind of with Michael. I, sometimes I don't want to invest this whole, this huge amount of time into these movies to completely understand the whole universe. Cause, um, to completely understand it, you know, these writers were, oh my goodness, it so a huge amount of time to, um, put all of this together but you know it is like you know if you're a super fan you know kudos to you because you um probably understand it a lot better than me with like you know super fans like star wars super fans like lord of the rings you know there's a lot of history yeah. within the writing yeah and that's the thing with these comic book movies anyway they got a lot of source material to work with because even the comic books themselves have like multiple arcs and versions of a character so it's like what kind of uh it's it's notable where they'll actually derive stories from different sources and different uh, versions of a character and and uh yeah it's kind of for me i get it's it is difficult to understand what's going on but um for me it's just more out of curiosity and interest of what the marvel the what they're going to do with the films and translating it from the comic books it's interesting to see how they'll tie in all these different styles because like we were saying black panther has a different kind of feel and tonality than say captain america and then iron man has a different feel uh the hulk uh, all these different the standalones they have these different feels to them and it's kind of wonder i kind of get one curious about how they're gonna put this all together into this big uh this big film and then also with the characters got so many different personalities how you know how is it all going to fit and hopefully it'll work out because not only do you have the avengers but um you have the uh, guardians of the galaxy and uh you know one yeah one would wonder how how all this is going to fit and you know hopefully it'll work out well and to be a good film uh but yeah it's for me it's just more out of curiosity what they'll do with it right yeah and that's a good point um it is a mesh it, it, this is almost like you know this is the beginning of the tie that um groups all of these characters together um with the exception of how avengers first started you know with the whole iron man um but you know it's bringing in the new spider-man which i think is very interesting because for the longest time you know it was toby mcguire and do, 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 do. for the longest time <laughs> go on um yeah that that was great michael thanks great rendition um 
I don't know. I think it's just really interesting because, you know, I grew up watching Tobey Maguire and on Spider-Man and then they had Andrew Garfield do it. So it's kind of see neat to see um, Tom Holland as a whole new, like, younger version of Spider-Man or um, not necessarily younger version, but I think they really play up the age difference yeah. with these movies. Yeah. And, you know, then you're going to see... Black Panther, and um, of course, like you said, Kaylin, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that'll be neat. And again, you know, before you watch this movie, you probably will want to do a little bit of your homework and um, research the characters because I think um, Gamora, I think she is the, she's the green lady. That's That's all I can equate to. I don't know, like, within the universe, like, what, species or you know uh race or what whatever like they're saying what universe or not universe but planet she came from mm -hmm. but um she is a part of guardians in the galaxy and then of course nebula um they tie her character into which again i'm not super familiar but i think within the comic series you know she is the daughter of thanos and both of them might actually be the daughters of thanos i'm not again don't quote me on that um, I was kind of reading a little bit up on wiki fandom. So, you know, again, this is depending upon how much they're going to adhere to the comics, which usually they do a really well, good job of it. So actually one interesting note with along with the characters, but the people that play them, because you, you did kind of key in on there with um with to with the Tom Holland as the new Spider-Man and the other interpretations. But um, I kind of wonder how long if they keep this keep the uh cinematic series going which they probably will because it, it's making a lot of money but um i wonder how long are the, some of the actors will will stick in or will stand by these uh roles because um i think a little while back I've, i i was watching some interviews and it seemed like chris uh chris evans seemed like he was kind of ready to do kind of move move on and do do some new things so uh with the with the characters, that's an interesting note to see how long the actors would want to st stick with it and kind of where they're at as far as their careers and how the Marvel Cinematic Universe is tied into their personal their personal careers. Right. Yeah, and that is interesting because um, as an actor or actress, that takes away a lot of your time, especially when you know you have a contract contract. Excuse me, saying oh, I'm going to be signed on for however many more movies we're going to be doing, you know. Um, first of all, you know, it's always a guessing game. You don't know how well the movie's going to be. You, you have no clue what the script looks like, um, but you're signed on contract-wise. And um, that's going to be taken away, you know, your time, which is something that actors and actresses value a lot, I believe um in doing other movies and doing other things in Hollywood that will you know get you money so um I kind of have to say kudos to um uh Robert Downey Jr. who's played Tony Stark as Iron Man because he's been with him for a while you know yeah so it's pretty interesting um because he's been in you know some other movies and things like that so you know, it's it it's kind of interesting to think about that and maybe, you know, see what their contract does include because I'm sure there's some stipulations in there that aren't always that great, you know, if you're wanting to do some other stuff as a actor or actress or actress, you know. 
Yeah, and I definitely, definitely, they probably don't want to get typecast and right. get so 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 associated with these characters. So, um, again, Robert Robert Downey Jr. He's done it for for a while, and then Scarlett Scarlett Johansson has done it for a while and i kind of feel like just as a personal note i kind of feel like people have associated maybe not everyone but people have associated with her being the in the action genre and being able to be the kind of character that kicks butt but then uh that's what i kind of wonder about like well how she why she was cast in ghost in the shell um yeah i see what you're saying yeah that is interesting um because because that's a case where she has a her name She's a good actor and her name carries weight. So people are going to go see a movie with her in it. But then, you know, I wonder if maybe they just kind of casted her on that basis. Right. And well, you know, and I think um, this can go for all people who act in movies and TV shows. You know, I think of Melissa McCarthy, who I think I believe she started out as a a comedian. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um but her and um, the other lady, I can't think, she was in uh, uh, where she got kidnapped with her mom, uh, Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but she's got another one coming out called I Feel Pretty. Um, and they're just, you know, inter- like funny movies, um, very uh, slightly slapstick. And, you know, I think a lot of times... Um, when Melissa McCarthy first started out, I thought, well, I typecast her personally as that actress who was just in movies like Tammy and things like that, you know, or Identity Theft. And I just didn't really give her as much credit. And I think she's kind of expanded maybe a little bit more um, with the movies. I guess maybe the right word to say is a little bit more sophistication. So that can definitely happen with uh people in this business so yeah that's an interesting point and it could in a dangerous case with um tom holland him being young and him kind of starting out in his career because um i think he he started he's probably been in some stuff beforehand but his taking on the role of spider-man he's getting gained a little bit more not notoriety notoriety (laughs) and um yeah i mean if if he gets typecast or so associated with Spider-Man, then what happens when they kind of maybe some point they end it or um, maybe he can't get work in other types of films. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Uh, You know, that can be like an uphill battle. That can be a great thing because he got a big role or it could be a downside depending upon, you know, the end outcome. Um, Fun fact. I can't remember what show it was on, but um, Tom Holland, like, He's known for dancing really well. Mm-hmm. So apparently oh. he's a really good dancer. Wow. Yeah. So maybe there'll be a step up type movie or something with him <laughs> in, it in the future. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I think on that note, it's about time we wrap up. Yeah. yeah we're getting um, a little derailed. Yeah, a little long winded. Um, so thank you for everyone who listened to us uh this again is the last episode of this season and depending on what happens next year possibly the last episode ever uh but we'll see um be on the lookout and uh we've had a lot of fun talking at you about pop culture and, and things we like things we don't like it's been great yeah thank you guys who are listening and you know you can always go on to the soundcloud and um 
listen, you know, go back and listen. We have a few seasons actually, you know, before I've even been here. Yeah. Um, but huge shout out and thank you to the East Tennessee for, um, you know, just helping us uh, get this off the ground and yes, kind of absolutely. supporting us. And uh, thank you to Don Armstrong um, for just kind of being being a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, being yeah, just being our mentor mentor for this. Thank you very much. And uh, most definitely tell tell friends and other students on the campus about about the podcast. It'd be really helpful to get you know uh, if there's something here you've liked and you want to just share it, kind of like the hashtag or uh, a video you see on YouTube. Just uh, you know, spread it around, share it. Definitely, yeah. Uh, spread the word, and you know, if you have any ideas or any comments, feedback, you can definitely let us know on Facebook or Instagram or even. You know, writing to the Eastern scene to Dawn, who hits us up. Um, thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm, I'm Kaylee. Kaylee. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Kaylee. And we will not talk to you all next week. Have Bye-bye. a good summer. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Bye.